have such an energy. It is an energy for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, Hey. we're two sisters by marriage who love to talk about stories from writing fiction and creating elaborate plot lines in D&D to whatever this sort of moody finger gauntlet, big eyeliner, Halloween energy thing is we've got going on right now. We're out Out of of initiative. initiative. So Sarah, Halloween is just around the corner. I know. I can't believe it. Halloween is my favorite holiday. Halloween's and a pretty good time. It's uh, the dressing up, the candy, everything. I would love to talk about how to make your D&D campaign or your own writing more scary. What do and you not, think? Not like jump scare scary, right? We're talking about like tension, suspense. Yeah, and I... Again, what we've talked about with D&D is you're going to have players of different ages and preferences at your table having a story or D&D campaign that's gory or too scary would definitely turn away a lot of them. And I feel that you can add scary elements or even high moments of tension that won't lead to something that's graphic or, or very... Um, horror related and I have some thoughts on this if you'd like to hear them I want to hear all your thoughts when we're writing a story whether it's fiction that you've got a reader uh, or D&D at the table which is I think even more important uh, there always needs to be consent right so need an opportunity for your reader or your uh, party to go red flag no 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 Um, so I like I like we are doing these now. I don't know if they're ever going to be used because our group has, uh, we've pretty like thoroughly established sort of the boundaries, what everyone's comfortable with, but there will always be times when like your life changes or something is a little triggering that you weren't expecting. So how do we create tension, suspense, horror or horror adjacent themes without just getting into the like spooky stuff, like you're saying, Sarah. So like, yeah. Yeah. And I, one of the biggest things I have, because I've done, um, or I'm currently um, DMing for a Curse of Strahd campaign, and as I am reading through the module, there's been quite a few instances that I read something um, that's either um, very graphic or um, like the death of a child or the death of an animal or um, just something that's really gory and almost to the extreme and I know there are people out there that love that and I know there are people that follow Curse of Strahd verbatim but I know myself and what I'm comfortable with and I feel like our group kind of their tolerances as well and so I've been kind of either toning down stuff that was really um, emphasized in the book or just completely modifying it Um, so I feel it's more on like the spooky level um, or just unsettling instead mm-hmm. of graphically horror and um, that kind of thing. So one of the biggest rules or guides that I do is I like to pretend that I am DMing a group of like 11, 12, 13 year olds. And I imagine what a movie is that they watch um, or a show or a book that they would read that's very spooky. And it can still be 
you know, kind of scary and, and creepy, but um, more more on the toned down side, like PG, PG-13 side. Um, I also really like adding in uh, a lot of just silly elements, which, uh, you know, is like, that's kind of creepy, but it's really silly too. Um, and I think that just kind of takes, you know, breaks it up. So it's not just so dark and heavy um, the whole time. It definitely breaks the tension. I think that like adding humor, I think that's even in uh, the Strahd book, like the very beginning, one thing they talk about is like horror and then using humor to keep things light at yes. the table because at the end of the day, whether we're reading a book or playing a game, a tabletop RPG game, like at the end of the day, I should be enjoying this. And if I didn't, if I didn't sign up for purely scary all the time, super duper stressful, if that's not what I signed up for, then it's not very fun. And I'm going to put it down. I'm going to step away from the table or I'm going to put the book back on the shelf. And we want to make sure that we like balance it in a way that is exciting and exhilarating, but also has some has some room for lightness. Yeah, and it, they do say that in in the module, and I've tried to follow that, and I've tried whenever I um, add my own pieces or homebrew to it, I try and always err on the side of this is just really funny. I think my players would think this is a you know this is a strange magic item, but it has potential to do a lot of funny stuff. Um, that kind of thing. Just so, yeah, just so it doesn't get so heavy. So thinking through some of the changes that you've made or some of the times you've introduced tension, I can definitely say from my own perspective, kind of like some of the things that I've introduced in our homebrew, but when you're thinking about Strahd, which has a lot of these pieces already written in that you're toning down or toning up or adjusting, what are some examples of things that you're doing to really, um, keep things balanced so like some of the heavier stuff versus some of the things that you've kind of toned down to make a little more comfortable um well for uh, example the group just went through um the abbey of saint markovia and they met the abbot and in the strad module the abbot is a um diva of the morning lord who believes that he is placed in Barovia to do the will of the Morning Lord and thinks very highly of himself. And in the Strahd module, he takes body parts from uh, Kretzka, the neighboring village, and makes his own um, kind of minions, if you will. They're actually called mongrel folk. And he will take parts of animals. And so if you look at the pictures, they're really... Un, you know they're really kind of scary and deeply creepy. deeply troubling deeply troubling. yeah and i thought okay i i didn't really like that I and mean, as a dm i was gonna have to role play them and i felt like it would just it would be uncomfortable to kind of play this half dog half person half wolf and and just like how they would talk they're not supposed to be very smart and and i just started thinking about well, what would be something that's kind of like that but more unsettling instead of just kind of crude and i thought uh came up with the idea of since he's so obsessed with himself why doesn't he just make more duplicates of himself um using body parts of people that have passed away and i just thought um having a bunch of you know with magic or whatever you know abilities that he has to just make a whole kind of mini army of himself and it plays into a lot of what's going on with Strahd and him kind of competing for who's in charge of Barovia and there's a whole bunch of 
um, stuff. It doesn't deviate too much from the main storyline. Um, and as I think you remember, everybody in the group was um, pretty unnerved by... It was, it was very scary. Like, it would definitely still have that same tension. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then I, as a DM, also, you have to think about, you have to role play these people. And so I felt like it was better. They're just more like naive. Um, and that was just, you know, they're still capable and they're still people with like thoughts and feelings and that kind of thing. Um, but it was just, they've just been kept in the Abbey instead of going out and seeing the world. So, um, that was one instance where I just kind of tweaked, um, straw to make it just more kind of creepy, um, but more like a little more lighthearted too. And, and, um, instead of, instead of the way the module had it. I love that. And I think that's a really fun example. Also, you know, dipping back into consent with our group a little tiny bit. I think that we'll dive into this like way, way deeper in a future episode. But um, one thing that our group enjoys quite a lot is uh, like hitting on each other. Like we're a very flirty, very fun group. Um, and we check in regularly. Like, is everybody good with this? How are we feeling? And it's like, we're, we know where everyone stands. So you've got these duplicates of uh, the Abbot and uh, the way you describe them, which we later realized was sort of like the um, the clone from Rocky Horror Picture, the like blonde in his yes. little underwear, yes. muscly kind of guy. Yep. Hilarious. Yep. Uh, so we had this like, this moment of the entire group going like, he's kind of fine though like uh i'm a little con and they're just like these sweet little dummies like running around their little boxer shorts like oh like himbo I'm himbos himbos you know? yes yeah and they're all shirtless and yeah and they're very kind and they're very you know they're so very sweet naive. Mm -hmm. i would protect them with my life um <laughs> Yeah, I love, I loved that. It was a really fun addition. And something you touched on that I think is really helpful to keep in mind is like when you read through a module uh, or even if you homebrew something for yourself and you have this great idea, something can seem really cool on paper. And then the moment comes, and you're like, I have to act this out. I yes. have to be the six foot tall, seven foot tall Arctic wolf that, you know, with a rumbly voice, like I got to do all that whether I'm doing a voice or not, which is, it's totally unnecessary to do a voice, but you still need to like adopt a mannerism or talk, like what would their speech patterns be like, or how would they interact with the world? And if they're like part dog, part human, you're gonna mm. end up in kind of a weird space. And if it's uncomfortable for you, it's gonna come across that way to the party. Exactly, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's when you're adding any sort of scary or horror elements to your story. If you're playing an undead zombie, be ready to play an undead zombie and how would that look and or if you're going to play a super old vampire you know be kind of figure out how that look and and you can always tailor it to how you you know perceive or how you you want your table to um, approach this kind of person and I always and I'm sure a lot of DMs do this too is I'll try and refer to like a movie or a TV show a character a specific character and how they act and how I want to play them. So for example, with the Abbot, I really wanted him to be kind of aloof and egotistical, which is what it is in the module. Yeah. And I tried to mirror him of um, being like Agent Smith from the Matrix. Oh, and totally that did come across. 
and so I tried to mimic the voice mannerisms. I tried to um, just that really kind of monotone voice and being a woman playing a man already is kind of <laughs> tricky. And so I didn't want to do a thick accent or anything. Um, and so that's what I had in my head. And it just, it really helps kind of hone in your character um, as you're portraying them um, in your story. I think that's a really important point. And I also want to add that like, as a storyteller, you get in, you have this sort of like idea in your mind. The party doesn't have to get it exactly. And you also don't need to like, by the way, picture this guy, you know, like just like yeah. roll with it. Like just use it yeah. for inspiration. Don't make it a thing. Um, yep. And sometimes you bring those mannerisms into a part. Like you're telling me now, like who the inspiration was for that character. And I can absolutely see it. Totally. It was yeah. perfect. In the moment, I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking this guy, like, we were picking up like what is he like and what uh is he doing and how is he interacting with the group and that's uh i think more important than the specific actor uh although there have been times i think during the one shot we did for valentine's day this year uh the fortune flowers one shot that i did and i will uh have in the blog a rundown of that one with maps and stuff for download um but one thing i did was the uh, Mr. Fortune, the guy who runs the uh, the wedding planning business. This is Valentine's Day, right? Like, this, we're talking about holidays. It's Halloween. Uh, the guy who runs the business, I was like, oh, it'd be really funny if he was this, like, Patrick Warburton type guy. And I started, like, doing this goofy voice. And I was like, yeah, I feel good about it. We get into the session. It's a one shot. It's not a character I thought very hard about, but I had, like, an actor for a reference. And started doing this, like, Patrick Warburton voice. And we were, like, 60 seconds in. And somebody was like, are you just Patrick Warburton right now? <laughs> I was like... <laughs> kind of so like they picked right up on it yeah they totally did but it's funny because they pick it up and then they have an image in their mind and if they hadn't picked it up i think they would still have an image in their mind and it would be consistent for this character every time because i was doing specific mannerisms or doing a voice it doesn't have to be good like i don't you don't have to be good at voices so what are some ways when you're dming or in your writing that you feel like your where your line is as far as your players or where um where yeah what's your what's your kind of limit how talked, do you moderate yourself that's hard uh yeah. keeping yourself in check is tough because we've talked before about like i don't necessarily like scary things i'm not a scary movie person um i enjoy the dress up of halloween i enjoy suspense and tension but i'm kind of a uh what's the oh control freak and i don't like when things are out of my control mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh that's one of the things that i don't like about scary stuff um but uh as far as interacting with the party sometimes i can kind of let my mind get away from me and we've had like text interactions where what did you send me it was like a gif it was just like who who hurt you where did this come from <laughs> like i don't know it just was like an idea i had in my head and he would just die over and over again of old age for the rest of eternity uh, mm -hmm. you know and that's like really really dark um like when you start thinking a little more about it but when some of the things we've done with our group something that's come up in our on our main camp i gotta give up on this hood it's just not gonna stay up uh one thing that's come up in our main campaign that i uh have really enjoyed was one of the players backstories included um seeing this uh humanoid uh he's disguised as a human so this human man uh with this really like gray uh tint to him so uh we don't necessarily know like the party doesn't necessarily know where this came from but uh there's this guy who looks like he's had all of the color sapped out of him and uh one of the one of the players or one of the player characters interacted with this guy kind of became friends with him and uh saw him in the woods when this 
black and white person was uh, out in the woods by himself, uh, killing another man and then like draining his blood to cast a scry. I stole it straight from Supernatural because I just love the imagery of like, there's no like, oh, maybe he's not evil when you like, he killed a man and he drained his blood. Like check and check, like God, that's a bad guy. Um, and so we've got this scene set up in the backstory and then like later uh, to create tension, what I've got going on is periodically that character is seeing this black and white man in the background. He keeps seeing like references to him and it's just this like slow kind of creeping up thing that uh, continue. It's just a good slow burn that I'm really enjoying. That's, that's building a lot of tension for this character. And a couple of times the character has been like, I'm specifically looking for a guy that looks like he's had all his color sapped out. And like, some people seem to know what that is. Some people have seen it, but it's in reference to um, another race of people who are kind of naturally in that, like that, like color palette, uh, like a, like a deep gnome would be kind of a grayer pallor, but this is like a completely different thing. So like there's the communication breakdown, but then like this guy just like keeps coming up in the background and we just see him passing in the woods or somebody has a memory of something that happened to them. And like, that's the guy they describe. I think Gemini had her, um, that she was like, somebody wiped my memory. I don't know who it was. Oh, I finally remember. She has this vision. Somebody tries to read her thoughts, reads her thoughts and sees that guy that this player is, that this character is afraid of or has had an interaction with. I shouldn't assume that he's afraid. Um, and I just think that it's kind of a fun little like breadcrumb to drop because when it's with a player's backstory, with the specific character backstory, it's something that like that player and I agreed that this was a level of violence that we were comfortable with. No one else has to experience it if they don't want to. I think that he sort of described it briefly to the rest of the party. Um, but like we were able to go a little bit hog wild with that, uh, with everything else that had happened around it. And we still get to add that tension with the rest of the party. Like they know something's up with this guy and he just keeps showing up and we don't know why. Uh, and so I think, and, you know, that's a good point you were making that you already had discussed it with the player ahead of time mm -hmm. and they were comfortable with it and you move forward. Um, I feel like uh, like with Strahd, for example, one of the like in the first couple pages, when you read the introduction, they talk about bringing um, Strahd. He needs to be present the whole time your players or characters are in Barovia and it's whether they see crows up in the tree and that's like his familiars that he sends out or whether they see he just appears to them while they're setting up for a long night and they just talks or whatever. There's just this, supposed to be this constant presence that he is all knowing, all seeing all the time. And I just loved that tension that that brings. And so I've used that in other parts of the campaign, for example, if, I mean, you could do this with any D and D campaign, but, um, like have your characters just walk through a graveyard at night. Even if nothing happens, it's just, you can just describe it and just the way it feels and sounds and smells. And maybe there's some fresh dirt and it looks like something got dug up or someone was recently buried. And it's just, it's just that tension that, you know, your characters, which I think being as a, you know, a DM or just as a, if you play for a while, you're always suspicious of everything. And you can just really lean into that. Um, there was uh, another instance where I had, I presented you guys with a map and I was told by one of the players that they immediately thought it was going to be an encounter, a battle of some sort. And 
while it could have ended up that way, it didn't. And so the whole time they were on edge thinking that they were waiting, like if we open this closet or if we open this door, we're going to get, you know, scared by a monster or skeleton or something. And nothing happened. Um, but I didn't have to have anything happen. Everyone was still, you know, on their toes and, and that kind of thing, which I think is fun. Kind of be nervous, but not, um, you know, overwhelmed. So I think in any, in any campaign, if you do, like you were saying, like the gun on top of the table, I like the idea of the gun under the table. And, <laughs> and so like maybe one character sees it and no one else does and but they know it's there in the back of their mind um i think that just adds just so much more tension um without being violent or graphic um and i think honestly i think that's what people love most about scary things is just that kind of that unknown element um, you know, like any sort of horror movie, like don't go in the basement. And then they go and their flashlight, like the batteries are dying and they're, oh, yeah. you know, tripping and yeah. And even if they find nothing down there, you know, it's like a stray cat or something. You still jump, you still are, are scared. Um, and I, from what I can, you know, what I like, I love that. I think that's kind of fun. Um, where it's more like just more in your head than actually seeing something, you know, portrayed bloody or violent or whatever yeah i think the absence of is a really interesting way to talk about that so the other um another one shot that i've got coming uh to the website which i think is uh an even deeper dive into this um i did uh the grim jester one shot uh put together and it was the party shows up at this abandoned carnival and one of the things that i liked and i think this is this is like story in general not just D is thing like the subversion of an expectation right so that's what you're saying with the map like mm -hmm. i'm expecting it to be an encounter tension 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 and then you get there and there's no encounter and that's almost as stressful as if there had been something there that like when will it happen that anticipation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh something we did with the grim jester was you show up and it's an abandoned carnival and it's like all of these like booths and rides and there's like valuables left behind but there are no people and there's something about that like there should be somebody should have been through here like something should be here. like we hear a sound but there's nothing there and that like constant um subversion of what you would expect to happen brings a lot of stress just in general yeah and i mean you could do you know any D, &D campaign or any story that you're working on have a horse show up with no rider Ooh. have you know a house that is abandoned the doors open and there's no one inside it looks like they were just having a meal and they just got up and left um i mean you could do so many things to just add kind of that creepy um unsettling factor to your story um without being overtly bloody but again, if you have, you know, a table and everybody loves horror movies and they want that, you know, by all means, give it to them. But as we said, I usually like to err on the side of more like supernatural level um, where, yeah, there's going to be like, you know, blood or, or bones or whatever. But I, I don't think, you know, you need to fixate on it to get that satisfaction from your players and their enjoyment. 
I think something I really loved about Supernatural as a show, because I typically don't watch scary things. Um, as a child, you were talking about, you said something about like opening the closet and there's something there. Uh, mm-hmm. As a child, we used to sing this song in music class. There was an old lady, Skin and Bones. And then at the very end, they like, they opened the closet and boo. And like the whole class jumping out and yelling boo was like too much. I would have to leave the room. Every I'm such an absolute, it doesn't matter. I'm terrible with scary things to the point that I would like leave the room during that. But Supernatural I could handle uh, more so than a lot of other, like, scarier horror type shows because I felt like the cadence of the show was really, um, we knew what to expect, right? Yes. Like, you would get yes. the intro scene, there'd be, like, two, it's like the, the red shirts in space. You, you know, you know what's coming. The, it's two people, we've never seen them before, uh, they're teenagers, they're in a car, it's dark, and you're like, yeah, man, we're going to see blood on the inside of the windshield. Oh, there it is. And because there's that, like, we have as the viewer this little iota of control of this like i know what to expect next it worked really well and then the show could do something where uh you know we thought it was going to be a wendigo and it's not it's something else and oh my gosh what else can make those kind of tracks and then we get that tension that suspense without being like jump scared constantly uh there were some pretty solid jump scares in that show there there were and also the fact that you know sam and dean are going to win. Yeah. Like, they're going to be the heroes. They're going to come in. They're going to fight the ghost. They're going to fight the demon. They're going to fight whatever. And they're going to win. Like, you know they're going to succeed. And so going into it, you're like, okay, you know, you know to expect. And again, like you said at the beginning, that's kind of the area that you know, okay, this will be kind of bloody or this will be kind of scary. But then the rest of it, um, you know, is that it's definitely formulaic. But I also like there's a lot of lighthearted moments and a lot of lighthearted they did a really good job with humor yeah and and so that's what i also try and focus um whenever i do that that's kind of the level that i want because i think you know most people enjoy that um you're not i think you're you're safer to stay stick to that level with whatever table you're at or whatever you're writing um yeah so you mentioned um something earlier that i i struggle with both in writing for fiction or I should say that I'm constantly striving to do better at both in writing fiction and in writing for D and D and like running a session, which is what do we see? What do we hear? What do we smell? How do we feel? Or what do we feel? Not how do we feel? That's important. A distinction. That's I think the biggest distinction between uh, fiction narrative and D and D is the play. You know, at the table, the players are telling me how they feel. In fiction, you might uh, show how the character feels. You know, show not tell, but like the scene setting elements what are some um components that we can add in as we're telling a story that helps sort of add to that tension is it like um the like silence is so oppressive that it sort of rings a little bit or uh are we hearing the sounds something i love uh we hear the sound of leaves crackling under our feet and then suddenly none and like your footsteps stop making a sound. Uh, I think that that's kind of a fun, again, that subversion. Um, what are some other uh, things that you like to throw in to help really increase the immersion and also add to that suspense factor? Um, well, I definitely like the sounds, especially if it's dark and your character can't see anything, they're really relying on their other senses. Um, what they're hearing, what they're feeling, all of a sudden like the chill in the air on their skin, um, you can really lean into their own intuition. They have a sinking feeling. They have goosebumps. They have the prickling on their neck. Uh, any sort of physical responses that it's almost as if their body knows something that they don't know yet. And they're just really on to, you know, 
tension and on edge. Um, one of the, I feel, most challenging parts with writing is when your main character, um, for example, is, you know, they're like at a bus stop or something at night and they're by themselves and they are distracted. So they got in a fight with their friend and that's all that's going on in their mind is how they're going to make it up to them and if their friendship's ruined and, you know, they're checking their phone and they're just very distracted by that and how maybe someone else is watching them. What are some little indicators you can show the reader, but not your character, that someone's watching them? And that's always a really fun challenge. I love doing that because if you can have the reader pick up on something that your character is missing, then it's just you've got a whole, you've leveled up you um your reader is like oh my gosh what are you doing like and you just want to like reach into the page and yell at the character because they're not paying attention and with movies or tv shows it's very very easy because the camera shows you what you need to see even if the main you know the main character's back's turned or whatever but in storytelling in books or novels um it's it's tricky um because you want the reader like leave clues for the reader but the main character is oblivious to it um, and it's a great challenge. I love it. And I, when I read it in a story and it's done well, I just, I want to go shake the hand of the author and say, <laughs> good job. Because that's, I mean, it's it's tough. It's it's definitely a skill um, that you have to kind of work on. Um, but I, I love finding that like in thrillers or mystery books um, where the reader almost kind of knows the answer before your main character does, which depending on the type of story you're writing, sometimes that's just formulaic that's just how it is like in a mystery at the very beginning you you know are from the perspective of the killer and they kill the person and then you are put into the perspective of the detective that is solving it the rest of the time so even though you know who the killer is um it's still fun to kind of watch the detective unravel the pieces and um versus like a thriller where you don't know until the very end and i i just i love that when um when you can kind of play with that in your story so one similarity between tabletop RPGs and fiction writing, like a uh, written narrative uh, that I, I think that we've like danced around that I, I love so much is how the camera can pan to, you know, the gun under the table uh, and we, the audience know, and the characters don't. In D&D, we have to, as with fiction writing, we have to share details about the setting in a way that um, is immersive, but also doesn't just pan the camera to the gun under the table. So a lot of times in D&D, something that I think every party picks up on is like, we walk into a room and you're like, one sconce is lit in the back. You're like, the sconce is important. So like, instead, the, you walk into the room one sconce is lit in the back a silk a tablecloth is tattered and dangling you know inches above the floor the stench of rotted meat is in the air and you can kind of rattle off these details and if one of them was important uh the players you know can sort of sift through the things they see smell hear feel uh and it's the same kind of in fiction right like the character maybe doesn't notice that the sconce is lit in the, in the back but we the reader are like oh i don't know that's that's really weird nothing else is lit doesn't that seem strange we can put that together with the pieces in front of us but if you walk into a room i, I mean like not to like belabor the point but like walking into the room in D D and walking into the room in fiction we're doing the same thing we're saying like what's that one detail that the writer the dm 
or the author are trying to show us that we need to know that uh, without being like, here's the killer. There he is right there on the sheet. Like, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to slap him over the head. And I, I, and I will probably repeat this if whenever we discuss it, but readers or, or players at your table are very smart. And if they do any sort of, um, you know, a lot of reading of mysteries or thrillers, they're going to pick up on stuff. You don't have to beat them over the head. You can be very subtle and they, they will, they'll pick up on it. Um, and it's great because again, you can kind of leave those red herrings. You can kind of, yeah, that, oh, the one sconces lit. There's something with that, even if there's nothing. Um, and it will just distract them from what's really important and, that's always it's always kind of fun to play on that too yeah absolutely it's funny because you said readers like your players at your table and i thought you were gonna say are so dumb they're so dumb (laughs) i would never oh you would never i often am trying to set something up in a session and uh you know you um you smell the meat pies coming from the back you see the like flickering candlelight you hear the sound of metallic footsteps metallic footsteps continue to approach and the people are like but is it a meat pie or is it a meat adjacent pie (laughs) like what is that how is that the detail that you latched onto yeah yeah and i think you know you just you're your players especially if they're portraying a certain character they're going to be more interested you know if they're a bard and they're really into music and they notice that there's a musical instrument in the corner they're going to focus on that and um or if they're a fighter and they see you know there's some swords laying in the on the table they're going to focus on that and so it's i mean it's kind of fun because you're like whose attention do i want to grab and how can or how can i get everybody's attention and when you're writing a story you have your main characters usually your point of view or the narrator's point of view and so it's a little bit more specific um so yeah it's definitely a challenge um either way so in video games uh we watch sometimes we watch uh the video game streamer day nine champlot he's wonderful he's like so wholesome i just really love his content and something he talks a lot about is in video game design um they'll paint stuff red if you need to go there so like you're in a long corridor uh with lights outside of rooms and it's like a hundred rooms and one light is red you're gonna go to the red light Um, and I've started trying to implement this in, uh, games that I run at the table and also in writing just in general where like, how can I make the thing I want the party to latch onto a little more interesting than everything else? So the party arrives at Daggerford along the Sword Coast, and there's been some sort of attack. Everything is really quiet. Uh, I think this was kind of a good scary moment that we had sort of recently. Oh, yeah. Um, everything's quiet. Someone has drawn in blood, although later we learned it was maybe just iron. Um someone has drawn in blood along the ground a symbol of asmodeus and we see two bodies to your left uh that appear to have been murdered and then to your right you see two more bodies and one of them is is uh you know tossed over a cart you see a a barrel knocked aside you don't want to give too many details to make it really obvious that you want them to go one way or the other but if the party is given two options these two people who look humanoid and don't have anything on them and these two people who look like they might have some clues of what's going on they're gonna go to where the clues are even if it's as simple as two bodies to the left and three to the right they're gonna start with what's the the, i want more information 
So they kind of just naturally gravitate that direction. And I was actually really happy with that whole encounter because the party arrives. They're interested. They examine the symbol of Asmodeus. Somebody checks it out. It doesn't seem like blood. It feels like iron flakes or iron oxide or whatever. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's not. Maybe somebody's trying to convince us that there's something bad happening here. Oh, what do we see? We see these two groups of people. We're going to go to the bigger group. And then everybody walked into you. Actually, you, that was the session that you weren't in. That was they walked into that mimic fight. Uh, and because a corpse is a corpse is an object and a mimic impersonates an object. So they went to investigate the corpses and they were mimics because I'm an asshole. And it <laughs> was there really like five funny. or six mimics or something. I mean, it was like ridiculous. six little mimics. They were little. It was not a hard encounter. And then I did two like one was like a spitting mimic or like a poison spitting spitting mimic. And then the other one was um, just like a regular giant mimic or something. Uh, and they, it was really funny. It was just really funny to me. I really enjoy, first of all, I enjoy the party being heroes. Like, I love a good hero story. Uh, and I'm never really out to, like, kill the party. Although we've got, like, one player who's like, I'm pretty sure I'm invincible. So I've been working pretty hard to just, like, knock him down a peg. I've only killed him once. Um, but your character was able to bring him back. Um, but yeah, it's just, like, it's fun to just sort of, like, highlight an area get them to go somewhere and then have something really surprising happen that's within the realm of like what they can handle yeah yeah okay so real quick what dnd monster do you think is the most scary oh my gosh there are some really scary ones there are some really really scary ones there is a new one that just came out i hate to even mention it because i was hoping to use it but it is a I have to look it up. It's a dragon. Yes. I think I saw the picture of the new dragon and it's very creepy. Um, I feel like definitely beholders are up there. Like if I saw a beholder in the real life, it would be really scary. And I, That sounds terrifying. I mean, and not just because they're like powerful and everything, but they're just creepy. And I know we faced an undead beholder before too, and that's even worse. Um, I also, any sort of the, um, like the carrion crawlers, you know, yeah, those, those are, real are really creepy. All the little legs, like, that's really creepy. And they hide in the dark and then, like, jump out. Um, I don't like that at all. Big giant yeah. bug. Gross. Uh, it was the, it's like an illithid dragon. Like the Mind Flare dragon. Yeah. Um... I wish I could remember what the actual name of it was. I'm totally drawing a blank. I can see it, but it has this, like, real creepy, like, long face. I just think that all of the... Everything down the Illithid branch is fascinating and disgusting to me, and I want to use it exclusively, and also I hope to never see it again. It's a real love-hate thing. Yeah, yeah. And I know you and I were both big fans of Critical Role, and Matt Mercer, like, Laughing Hand. Have you seen, like, the mini of it? Yeah, it's so, so disturbing. So disturbing. I would never want to purchase the mini or fight that monster. It's so scary. And it just seeing when they were playing it too in the campaign, it was terrifying. I mean, it was brilliant, but terrifying. Um, uh, Isaac and I uh, spent some time workshopping a monster. So Matt Mercer said that the uh, Matt Mercer said that the laughing hand was a monster he created off of a nightmare he had like a he had like this vision 
in a dream and i was like i see scary monsters in dreams like that's why i don't need horror movies i got plenty i got plenty locked and loaded in there so i was like oh i should take one of the monsters that i've had in a dream and turn it into something that i might use in a campaign and i don't want to give too many details because i am 100 percent going to use this absolute monstrosity um but uh essentially imagine um an ogre like a 10 foot tall ogre with uh no face except a mouth um and then another mouth over his stomach i would like i think the laughing hand imagery like kind of really resonated with me here uh and when the stomach mouth opens it's got a little uh brain that comes out um it's got some gross abilities. I'm really excited about it. And I just think there's nothing cooler than like reskinning a monster or like taking like pick and choose like what little details you have of monsters that you really like from the monster manual um, or just in general that like other people have made. Like pick and choose little pieces that you like and then smash them together to make something horrendous. And then like like adjust the combat on the fly um but yeah just like i like i'll just like make something up and then throw it out there and then adjust the combat on the fly because like it's just fun to experience like new abilities from monsters and different new different challenges i just i enjoyed the heck out of it but like you could also any anything in the monster manual if you think it's too much for your players too scary whatever um you can always like you said modify it tone it down um, and you know, make it scary light, and yeah. um, I think that's always that's always really fun just to kind of incorporate your own take on it. Yeah, there's also like I think a lot of really classic monsters. Um, anybody who's played D and D before has seen. So like, oh, it's a zombie, and when I knock it to zero hit points, I see the DM roll behind the screen, and I expect it'll either get up or stay down. So maybe one way to add tension and suspense to this sort of vanilla monster fight on a lower level party is you roll that con save behind the screen, and they make it, but they wait to stand back up. Mm -hmm. until someone is standing near them again right just something really simple you're not adjusting you're not saying they're intelligent they're you know we're not going we're not going too far outside but we're taking an existing ability an existing thing and then morphing it a little bit to make this encounter more interesting a little scarier definitely definitely and that's what it's all about for your players enjoyment and what they what they want to do and how they'll keep coming back to your table or pick up your book and read it or um, any of those things. It's all about if they're liking it or not. I love it. Uh, well, thanks for chatting today. Uh, I think we're probably about to that point. Uh, so I will ask, uh, what are you writing this week? I am actually taking a break from writing and I am <gasps> just reading. I'm trying to find something scary to read. There's a whole bunch of new kind of witchy YA books that are coming out this fall and I'm hoping to grab a few of those so that sounds amazing get in the halloween mood yeah yeah right yeah um i have uh as of the time of this recording a D, &D session to prep for for tomorrow and uh today the beta of dungeon alchemist came out so i'm gonna be reworking a bunch of encounters to try to bring in some really cool uh 3d dungeons and rooms for the party to uh, step into. And I am going to let the rooms that we create guide what I write. Uh, and I'm really excited to just do this sort of 
abstract uh, random generation thing. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I will be posting to our blog some spooky read recommendations. Um, as I said, I'm kind of adding to my library. And so I'd love to share with any of our listeners or followers. So keep an eye out for that at merelypcs.com. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we have been uh, out of initiative and we're going to get back into it. Bye. Thanks for listening to Out of Initiative, a podcast from Merely NPCs. For more from Sarah and Morgan, visit MerelyNPCs.com or follow them on Instagram at MerelyNPCs.